on this rock. I wonder if you're on the rock today. Let me ask you a question. Um, if I were to ask you what is the greatest holiday in the Christian church, probably a lot of you would say Easter. And you'd be right. Easter, the pinnacle of our faith. Jesus came and died for you. That's incredible. And he conquered the grave. And there in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is taunting death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Like victory over a ball game. Oh, where is your sting? Some of you probably say, well, it's Christmas. And that's another great holiday. Christmas, where the word became flesh. Christ, the newborn king. What an incredible moment where God took on human flesh and dwelt among us. But there's another holiday that is also really important to us. And I want to make sure that you understand that and not get the impression that it's not important, and that's Pentecost. Pentecost, maybe you're here today and you didn't even know that was a holiday, but it comes 50 days after Easter in our calendar. And we just celebrated Pentecost here a few weeks ago here in, in June, and we're in that Pentecost season. Sometimes we call it ordinary time. And it is the church being born. It's when the Holy Spirit came. Jesus said that I'm sending you a comforter, and on that day, Pentecost, meaning 50, in the Greek, 50 days after Easter, the people tarried there, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and the church was born. Now, why is that important? Let me say to you that the church is the only thing that is going to last for all eternity. Nothing else on the planet is going to make it but only the church. Scientists tell us that there was a moment where the universe began and they're telling us there's a time where it's going to end. And things are winding down. We call it entropy and the law of entropy is at work. And the only thing that's going to make it from this universe to the next is the church. The Lord said there's, he's going to usher in a new heaven and a new earth. And those who are part of the family of God, those who have yet said yes to Jesus and are part of the family of God are going to go on into the next. And that's you and me, people who have truly put their faith in Christ and the church is going to last forever. Now, no local church is going to last forever. I can tell you in my lifetime, I can point to all kinds of churches that I've known in different communities that were vital and vibrant, but something happened, and they turned their eyes off Christ. You know, none of the churches there in the Bible really survived. I mean, it's kind of like this cycle that we see. They're kind of like bodies, and they're birthed, and they grow, and they develop, and they mature, and then they seem to die. But there's some churches that have a premature death, and that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in keeping the church alive and vital and vibrant and under the blessing of God, following faithfully our Lord and Savior. 
The Bible identifies those churches like the, the church of Laodicea, the churches that take their eyes off the Lord and become lukewarm, and churches that lose their first love, and churches that seem to have a form of godliness but deny the power of God. And I'm concerned about that. Probably the greatest fear I have as a pastor is that we would stop doing the things that God created us to do. That's a fear that I have. Many churches today are being sold off. Their buildings are being used now for restaurants. They're being turned into libraries. They're being used for pubs and bars and movie theaters and all other kinds of things because they left their first love. They've turned their eyes off of Christ. They're not seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, but they're doing other things. And woe to us if we begin to do that. And hence, that's why we're kind of focused here today on Rock Sunday. We're talking about why we exist, what we need to be doing as a church family, serving the Lord with our eyes focused firmly on Christ, doing the things that the Lord intended for us to do. We dare never forget those pages of Acts, this incredible history book. Chapter 2 really describes that pivotal point in our history where the church was launched. It must have been incredible. I hope you have your Bible today. Maybe you've got your phone app, but follow along with me. Just a few verses of Scripture. I enjoy uh, often visiting the pages of Acts and what those people were really doing. They were so on fire for God. They were so excited. And things were happening, and they were receiving the blessing of God. And listen to this in Acts 2. In verse 1, when Pentecost Day arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound from heaven, like the howling of a fierce wind, filled the entire house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. And the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals and to their prayers. And a sense of awe came over everyone, and God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. And all the believers were united and shared everything. And they would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute to the proceeds to everyone who needed them. And every day they met together in the temple, and they ate in their homes, and they shared food with gladness and simplicity. And they praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community, those who were being saved. Here is the day that the church was born. And you know, that's an important point here because all of the DNA was given to the church, it seems, there at that moment. You know, when you're born, you're given all your DNA at the moment of conception. You don't get more of your DNA when you turn five years old or 29 years old or 50 years old or... You know, you, you get all your DNA at the moment of conception. And I really believe here that everything we need for living and serving God is found in this text here. God's blessing the church and putting the original, uh, th this DNA in the original church. And part of that DNA is love. You see these people loving one another and loving God. And they gathered and they worshiped all the time. 
and the love that God had for these people. God is passionate about the church and about his people, I tell you that. I was reading here the other day, Psalm 105, and uh, did you know that the Israelites were bird watchers? Do you know that? They were bird watchers. Now, I don't believe they carried around a set of binoculars, and I don't think they had one of those blue tattered copies of the birds of South Palestine. You know what I'm talking about? But they enjoyed birds. And I got a couple pictures up here of birds. And there was one of the birds that particularly that they didn't care for. They thought it was disgusting, and that's the one on the left, the ostrich. Anybody seen an ostrich? Those are fascinating creatures to be sure, but one of the things they noticed about the bird was certainly it was fast, but it would lay its egg anywhere, even out of the middle of the path. They thought that was awful. It would lay its egg for anything to come and take it, and at the first sign of trouble, they would tail and run. The ostrich, they didn't like the bird, but they appreciated the bird on the right there, the stork because they happened to observe that the stork would lay its egg way high up in the tree where hardly anything could get to it or up in the cleft of the rock. And at the first sign of trouble, it wouldn't leave, but it would stay there and protect the egg. Even came up with a Hebrew word here, loyal love. And that's what you see there in Psalm 100 and verse 5. Because the scripture there tells us, back here that and his love endures forever it's a loyal love it's a covenant love and God loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son that you might have life and he established the church and we are on a mission folks to make disciples of Jesus Christ and here we find these incredible incredible ingredients in that initial church. And it's just painted perfectly for us how this church was alive and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. These people were on fire for God and receiving the blessing of God. Now, love is certainly one of those ingredients. In fact, I could list several today as we kind of peek through the scriptures here and we read and study here Acts. But I want to lift up some, some things you might think, think are pretty basic. But again, that's what we're here today, to remind you and celebrate and, and think about this mission that God has given to us. And I want to talk about some of these key principles that needs to be in your life. If you want the blessing of God in your life, you need to be in the center of God's will. And you need to be practicing these principles that are here in this scripture. The first thing that we see here is uh, this whole idea about prayer. That's the first thing we notice here in the New Testament church. There was prayer going on. I mean, these people knew how to get a hold of God. These people understood what it meant to pray and to really get on their knees and seek the face of God. These folks were prayer warriors, and they were focused upon that. The presence of God's power makes the church different, I want you to know, from any other organization on the planet. We have the Holy Spirit. Microsoft doesn't get the Holy Spirit. GM or Dell, uh, you know, they don't get the Holy Spirit or Samsung or Apple, but it's not even given to the government or any kind of agency, but it's given to the church, folks. The power of God, the Holy Spirit comes upon the church. 
God has given us this enormous responsibility to be the church in the middle of whatever culture, in whatever era, to stand with biblical truth and proclaim the good news. To be the church. And God doesn't expect us to do it on our own and to be on our own. But he gives us the church as a comforter. He gives us that Holy Spirit to guide and lead us. Now, when the greatest teacher who ever lived preached the greatest sermon that he ever taught, it all started with a single word. You know what it is there in the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew chapter 5, it's blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the meek. I mean, on and on he began that great sermon with the word blessed. We want the blessing of God upon us. We talk about this blessing, it means spiritual awakening. It means renewal. It means revival. It means the times of refreshing will come. And we need the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. We need the Spirit of God upon us. Now, in Jesus' day, every Jewish, devout Jewish person would begin and end the day in prayer. You know that. In the day of Jesus, every devout Jewish person would always begin and end the day in prayer. And they called it this amidadad. Uh, 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 and it was the Hebrew word that means standing. And the Jewish people would stand as they prayed this prayer. And sometimes it was called the 18. Meaning the 18 blessings. These 18 blessings from God. And the purpose of the prayer was really to remember all the ways that God had blessed them. And to bless God. And they didn't let anything interrupt that prayer. In fact, if it did, they had to start all over. Prayer was a big thing. Matthew Henry, the great commentator here in the last uh, couple centuries, he reminded us that prayer is the key to the morning and it's the bolt to the evening. And I wonder today if in your walk of faith, are you praying? It's part of the DNA of what we say is the family of God. I know it's basic. I know we talk about it a lot, but are you praying today? Because that's the way to, you draw nigh to God and God will draw nigh to you. And as you clean yourself and you're a vessel in the hands of God, you will be endued with the power of God and God will bless you through prayer, your connection with God. There's a direct correlation there between prayer and power. And on the 50th day after the resurrection Pentecost, God sent his spirit and Jesus said, you don't try to do anything with your life until I give you the power to do it. And these people tarried. You know, second only to suffering, probably waiting is one of the most difficult things to do. These people have been praying and waiting. And I think it's interesting to note that the Holy Spirit came there not in the midst of some dynamic sermon, but it was in a prayer meeting where the people were praying to God. Part of the DNA, folks. We want to be a church. We want to be a family. We want to be a person. It's to seek God's face, to connect with God and be in prayer. It's so vitally important, the secret of living that radiant Christian life. Secondly, we find here in this text, not only from Acts 1 and 14, where it talks about how the people are praying, but it also indicates here that these people were worshiping with joy. And they were worshiping in the temple gates. 
And notice here, they were enjoying one another. Notice down in verse 46, for example, the scripture here. They continued to worship together in the temple courts, praising God and enjoying. Notice there, it says the word enjoying. You should enjoy worship. You know, if you really have the joy of Jesus in your life, it ought to be shown. It, it ought to be pretty easy to see that you have got the joy of Christ. You're just so filled with God and you're so excited. Even when you really are going through tough times, and there really are things out there, as Sean was talking about, there's so much things out there, so many things that we're all struggling with and wrestling with. And, and you know, we're out there facing it and we... We still have that peace in our heart that we know that God's got this. God's there for us. These people worship with great joy. You know, there's an old saying that some people bring joy, some people bring joy wherever they go. And you know people like that. They're always upbeat, and even though there's challenging times, they, they still, there's this optimistic attitude that they carry with them and you could just find them a person of joy and but then the rest of that statement is some people bring joy whenever they go and that there's some people out there that are just so pessimistic they're just so filled with rage and hate and evil and other things in their life they're so depressing to be around they don't know Jesus now if you're truly filled with this joy it ought to ooze out of you. The joy should be really on the brink of bubbling out of you each day. And that's what we find here in this text. As these people got together, they understood what it was all about. And they prayed with one another and they worshiped God. And it changed their life. The problem is today that some churches, I think, die because honestly they're just cold. And they don't celebrate. It feels more like a funeral than a celebration and something has died, all right, the people have died. I believe it ought to be fun to go to church, you know that? It is incredible that the God of the universe said he's only begotten son and died on the cross for you and then conquered the grave and to tell us we're going to make it if we believe in him. Those that are saved and endure to the end shall be saved. And that's cool. That's something worth celebrating. There's so much bad news in the world. I got to tell you, the last thing you need when you come to church is more bad news. You get enough of it all week. It, it kind of reminds me of, of the Rocky movies. And I don't watch TV a lot, but I was flipping through the channels the other day and the, the guy came up and there was Rocky on. You remember Rocky? Rocky goes out and he goes out in the ring and he gets beat up and he's dodging everything coming at him and, and all of a sudden he gets hit in the face. He gets a bloody nose and he gets kicked in the gut. And then the bell rings and he comes over to the side and they're throwing water on him and wiping the sweat off his brow and massaging his shoulders and giving all these words of encouragement. It's going to be all right. You're going to do good. You're doing good out there. Get back out there. And, you know, sometimes church is a little bit like that. We get all out in the world and we get kicked in the gut. We have things that happen that are not so good and, and there's stress and there's problems and there are issues. But we come back to the church and we need to be reminded of what we're all about. Who we are. How we need God. How God came to help us with all the problems that we have. How God came to overcome evil and triumph. How God comes to overcome evil and overcome hate. 
and he shares his love with us. I wonder today if you are full of joy. You know, oftentimes we stamp down our emotion and that's not going to help us. I mean, when you come to worship, it's kind of like putting those spiritual jumper cables on, okay? And you express yourself in worship and you join in the prayers and the reading of God's word and in the singing. And it's exciting. Back in the day, uh, when I was in high school, we had the opportunity to help with some of the concerts in town at one of the memorial auditoriums. And we would uh, go down there as, as kids from school and we could raise money and sell popcorn and take tickets and, and, and be attendants and all this kind of thing. And I noticed that a lot of those concerts, people would get their Zippo lighter out and they'd start flashing around and everybody in all the auditorium would start that. Now, people don't do that today, do they? I was at a ball game here uh, last year, a high school game. And, and you know what people, people did? They got their, their, uh, their light out like that. Everybody in the stadium was waving around. Everybody was excited and it was enthusiastic. Their team was winning. That's fun stuff, isn't it? Fun stuff. You know what? What's what church ought to be? That's what church ought to be. People coming together and celebrating. Because I guarantee you, you're going to worship something in life. We're wired that way and made that way. These people here in the original church, they were celebrating. They were high-fiving. There's victory over the grave. We're here and we're going to help one another. We're going to feed the poor. We're going to help those that are, that are naked and they need clothing. We're going to support these children and pray for our families. And they did all this worshiping God and they were full of joy. And then lastly and quickly, there's another thing here that we see that the early church was doing. A clear piece of the DNA is the church here was bringing their friends to Christ. They bring their friends to Christ. And that's a natural aspect, I got to tell you. That's something that really brings blessing of God upon you and your life and your family. It says in verse 40 and 41, those who accepted Peter's message were baptized and about 3,000 people were added to them that day. That's amazing. 3,000 people baptized that day. I mean, the first day they opened the church, they had a, uh, the doors open and they had a mega church. Somebody the other day said, well, I don't think we ought to have any mega churches. But I got to tell you, that's the early church. And people were so thrilled with the Spirit of God. It became so contagious and people gave their life to God and they heard the message of, of good news and they responded and they put their eyes upon the Lord. And they were reaching out to people. Now, in the paraphrase version of the Bible, in Eugene Peterson's version, it says people liked what they saw. And so every day their numbers grew as God added to those who were being saved. They liked what they saw. Now, think about that. When people like what they see, they're going to listen to what you say. I mean, isn't that true? They're not going to listen to what we say until they like what they see. Before people trust Christ, they want to know, can they trust you? Before the people want to know, is the Bible credible? They want to know, are you credible? Are you genuine? Are you living out your faith? Has God changed your life and touched you? And you know what? If people like what they see, they'll listen to what we say. And with God's presence in your life, God can use you to take on the world. 
I wonder today if you are receiving the blessing of God in your life. Now, let's just suppose that you ordered a pizza and the pizza guy shows up. He shows up at your doorstep. There on the front door, he's got the pizza in his hand. He doesn't have a box. He's just holding the pizza up. And the cheese is all melting and it's coming down his arm. And right there in your front porch, a slice of, you know, piece of pepperoni falls off and, and a little sauce gets on his shirt. And he said, now, are you the guy that ordered the pizza? And what's the first question you're going to say? Where's the box? Where's that hand been, right? I mean, come on. Where's the box? Nothing special about this box, is it? A pizza box. But, you know, it's, it's really the box, uh, the, it's the product in the box that makes it so potent and powerful, right? It's not just the box itself. This probably is only about 40 cents, 50 cents. They get the stuff in bulk. It's pretty cheap. But you know what? The box doesn't give it value only if the product is not in there. It, it's the product in the box. I wonder today what you are full of. I wonder today what is in your heart, what is in your soul, what is in your life. Is it Jesus Christ? Are you filled with the Spirit of God? What's in your box today? All God asks for us is to be an empty vessel, to be clean and to give ourselves to the Lord and invite His Holy Spirit into our heart and life. I want us to pray. Just ponder a moment what you want the Lord to do in your life today. Maybe you're here today and you just need to be renewed. You've really had the joy kicked out of you this week. It's been ugly. It's been awful. There's so much stress. There's financial debt you need to escape from. There's any number of things that we're all here with and you just need a fresh touch of God. Maybe you're here today and you're just a little stale in your walk of faith and you just need a refreshing, you need a spiritual awakening in your heart and life. I want to pray for you right now. Oh God, we thank you so much for your love, for your care. We know that you love these people here today. Lord, with all the challenges in our culture, in our country, in our lives, in our families, oh, we need you. And we pray, God, that you would just sweep into this auditorium today and your Holy Spirit would speak to hearts and minds and that you would fill our hearts with your Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. Help each of us to stand on the rock, be firmly planted upon your word, just be filled with that joy. Hear our prayer this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.